time to get up, get out of bed. Fill your cup and get ahead with WKTN. One, three, four, oh. Now from the studios of Fox Sports Knoxville, this is Three and Out with Nate Hodges and Houston Cress. Fan Run Radio. To the end zone and caught for the touchdown, McCoy. Milton to Brew McCoy. Milton gonna take a shot wide open and just struck Amos Keaton. Joe Milton does it again. Best formation football there is. And that feeling for Josh Heupel. The Tennessee Volunteers are the champions of the Capital One Orange Bowl. And Joe Milton has got to feel great. Good finds Bill Self, shake hands. Tennessee, they're your champs. The bad boy mowers battle for Atlantis goes to the Volunteers. And they were the bad boys from the jump in this one. That's an interesting question. This is a slow shot. Wake up, squirrels. You got a visitor into the trees. You called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. You tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. You hear? Hell's coming with me. Seltzer Studios of Fan Run Radio Fast Break Friday edition of the program. Kind of a football Friday, really. You know, that big game eh, coming up. The big game. Don't say the S word. Well, that's one of the seven words I'm not allowed to say. So just here so I don't get fined. Uh kind of, yeah, kind of a football Friday. It's like Super Friday. That's a good we, point. We have talked so much about the Super Bowl this week. There's definitely been nothing else around here that took right. our attention away right. from that game. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for the commercials and the prop bets, the anthem links, the halftime show. I don't even know. Who's, who's singing it? Yet. Stapleton? No, no, no. Yeah. Is he doing the anthem? Okay. Isn't who's the halftime? Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah, Rihanna. That's what I thought. Okay. Is, is it Rihanna? Yeah. Of course it's Rihanna. I don't Rihanna. keep up with that garbage. Well, what do you mean garbage? Why, why is Rihanna garbage? At least that stuff. Rihanna's not garbage. I think that's the most overrated I do. performance ever, maybe. Just the halftime performances. I do kind of agree with Adam on this one. Some of them live up to the hype. 
I mean, it's not the normal. Madonna fell. That was pretty neat. It's not the normal quality you would she get. She didn't fell had, off, if you know. Of a concert. Oh, we had the wardrobe malfunction. The infamous. That was that was something. something. <laughs> uh, Lady great. Gaga jumping off the top of the stadium. That yeah, was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, the weekend. Prince killed it. That was weird, but Very I kind weird. of enjoyed it still. At least you knew the songs. You didn't know the songs last year? Dr. Dre, Eminem. Oh, yeah. I mean, last year was actually pretty cool, but just I don't think there's been a good one, really, that I enjoyed since Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> what? People hate Coldplay. This is what's funny. I mean, everyone hated Coldplay. It's one of the best bands ever. Well, oh my gosh. Come on, Nickman. I think, and Houston's, <laughs> Houston's even admitted this before. He thinks Coldplay gets too much hate, right? They're, yeah, like, like kind of like, like Nickelback. Like, like it's 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 cool to hate them. It it, it became cool to hate Coldplay. Right. Yeah, like I don't you di- could, I don't dislike Coldplay, but I'm not sitting there like, oh my god, this concert rocked out at halftime with Coldplay. God, I can play the piano though. Good lord! <laughs> in the just atmosphere of their concerts, you ever watch some of their concerts? It's like some of their big ones in like Mm-mm. Brazil. Look them up. Okay. Just an absolute show. Well, yeah, because they gave out those like light wristbands to everybody. They like, made it a big show. I mean, they were already popular, but they did a good job like marketing their that, concerts. And they'll usually cram like two hundred thousand people into a concert venue for them. I don't think that's. Legal. I just think I have to agree with Adam that halftime show at the Super Bowl in general. Overrated. Yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. And the commercials have been taking a slot here lately, too, for me. Well, it's the same with Hollywood. They're out of really good ideas. Mm. So they're like, there's a lot of regurgitation, re- yeah. retooling of old ideas. And it's a lot of money for 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, if you got six, seven million lying around and you just need a 30 second ad. Okay, the largest Coldplay concert attendance was apparently just under 70,000. <laughs> Which, I mean, you got to think for a concert. That is pretty impressive. Why are you still on this? Garth Brooks had that at Neyland Stadium. Nine hundred thousand tried to get tickets before the website crashed. My favorite commercial oh of all time is still just the E Trade one. It's just got an old man and a monkey. They're just sitting there banging on some five gallon drug uh, buckets, and it just just for the whole thirty seconds or whatever. And it's like we just wasted two million dollars. What are you doing with your money? Mm. I mean, brilliant, right? Just simple. Do you go sign up for E Trade? I have an account. Oh. I think I signed up for it like years later, but I have an E-Trade. It didn't really I have an e account. No, good for you. I don't think it's very good. No? I was not very I impressed. Check. <laughs> Maybe we'll try it more. <laughs> yeah, you should advertise here. Yeah. It says there's a bear video at Gatlinburg Home set to feature in a Super Bowl ad from for Ring. Oh slow down. A, a ring, what? A ring camera. A ring camera caught, ad. Okay. Caught a bear video at a Gatlinburg home, and it's set to feature it in a commercial for a Super Bowl. Okay. Yeah. So Gatlinburg's going to make the Super Bowl. All yeah. right. We've We're, made it. Maybe they'll give us credit. Probably not. We have bears. <laughs> we do have cool bears. Hmm. We can open car doors and stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Front doors, back doors, windows, yep. fridge. Honey pots, <laughs> tree doors. Hello, rabbit. I can't do poo. Who can do? Who can do a good? You have to be old, I think, to do a poo voice. You think so? I think so. You can't do. Good Winnie the Pooh. Piglet. 
Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That might be a good one. I don't know what it is, but the my my kids used to watch this the same movie all the time. And I don't really remember the movies as much, but I remember the Winnie the Pooh preview that would come on. The new one before the movie. Dude, I don't. No. Like the. The I don't like know the CGI one, yeah. No, oh, okay. no, that came no. out like what five years ago. I didn't know if it was that long. Wait, there's going to be a new one. Vol in South right? Carolina says the game is for the guys and the halftime show is for the ladies. True. What is this? What is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey? Oh, they're making oh yeah, that's a the horror, horror movie. movie based on Winnie the Pooh. Oh, okay. It's like if. What is it? The Thousand Acre it Wood? It follows Pooh and Piglet as they go on a rampage after Christopher Robin abandons them. Ikes. I'm going to just... If you're going to gonna watch that I one? I never saw this, even this Google search. No. All right. That's terrible. You don't like horror movies. I don't, really. There's only a handful of good ones. I'd say there's more than a handful. Like Hereditary, Sinister, the original Halloweens. I like a good thriller more. I don't know. What what about identity? What would you call that, Chris? In the hotel, in the rain, you know what I'm talking about? We talked about this movie before. That's John the, Cusack? That's yeah. the best genre, thriller. I like that's not really horror. It's it like thriller. is, but it isn't. I like that kind. Yeah. Cause yeah, I like, like when you have to think a little, you know. No, oh yeah, not me just, too. Me not too. just the we're walking around the cabin in the woods and stuff keeps jumping out and killing people. Uh, it's not really my thing. I like a little thought, a little twist and turn. Nate's scared of the woods. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah, identity's weird though because there is like a sci-fi element to it. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, I guess so. Like it didn't need that though to it uh, kind of for that movie, but I'm just saying in a a different movie wouldn't need that to be good. No, yeah, yeah, I still really like that movie, even Mm. though I, I guessed it like right off the bat. Of course, I don't know how. I mean, of all, you got to turn your brain off. Of all, of all the guesses, I'm just like, yep, that's it. You've got to learn how to turn your brain. off. Then the very end of the movie, I was like, oh my god, I did it. I think it was the 2011 Winnie the Pooh, probably. Oh yeah, yeah. That was probably the one I'm thinking about. The trailer for. Never saw the movie. Yep, they're trying to find Eeyore's missing tail. <laughs> that stupid tail just keeps. Yeah. Getting out of there. There is a monster in this one. Apparently. It's ranked as the third best Winnie the Pooh movie of all time. So. Well, isn't th- isn't there's like a couple really weird Winnie the Poohs, aren't there? Uh, apparently, there's a horror one. That Is that the one about. with the the elephants? Like they're coming to take me away, ha ha! They're coming to take me away, hoo hoo! Uh, and it's like an acid trip. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do know what you're talking about, but is that in Winnie the Pooh? I thought it was. What? That's in Dumbo. No, I know what you're thinking of. Okay. Maybe that is Dumbo. Because that would be Disney, and that would make sense. There's a lot of weird. Everybody stuff who animated them. Disney, acid, mm. all of them. Man, they could draw and come up with some crazy concepts, but <laughs> they were wild. Hmm. So, not excited about the uh, Super Bowl. I'm fairly excited about it. 
Fairly excited. Yeah. It's uh it's a good matchup. This list really quick, it says seven signs that the Winnie the Pooh characters are all on drugs. Eeyore the donkey doesn't care about anything. Slow reactions, lack of motivation. Marijuana. Piglet is afraid of everything and is paranoid of constantly being chased. He's on mushrooms. Rabbit gets into everyone's business and constantly needs everything, so he's a cokehead. Tigger can't calm down, bounces all the time, and is never tired. He's on ecstasy. Pooh loves sweets and has the wildest imaginations, LSD. Christopher Robin can talk to animals, so he's on hallucinogens, obviously. And the owl, guess what he does? He's their dealer. <laughs> wow. Really makes you think. Mm-hmm. Don't run the Winnie the Pooh. You can you can create those concepts for like oh, just about yeah. everything. Like the right. Seven Dwarfs, there's like all right. that oh, nonsense. Yeah. 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 Some are saying, I don't know if it's nonsense, though. Like I said, Disney. Some are saying Rabbit's a meth head. Well, you said crackhead, right? That's what. Well, I mean, this guy in the comments on this Reddit thread, he he believes he's a meth head. Okay. What about this game tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. Are we? Uh, are we a little nervous? Uh, maybe we'll have a newcomer come in and steal the show. You know, I was thinking about this driving in this morning. Part of our problem, and maybe most of our problems, mm-hmm. I think the most frustrating thing about this team and their relationship, their their plays relationship with the fan base, is you just don't know what you're going to get. Sure. And I think a big issue with that is... Not only do you not know what you're going to get, you don't know what they're trying to do. Well, that's kind, you, you kind of said it in a different way, I think, but I'm pretty sure that's what I was where I was headed. You've always used the word rotation. It's more than that, though. Mm-hmm. It, it is that, but it's also more. Like, Uros Plavsic in one game was, like, featured and scored, like, almost 30 points. Mm-hmm. And in a different game, he plays three minutes. Mm-hmm. Olivia Kamwa, same type of deal. And Rick Barnes says, yeah, we really need a big to step up and just kind of be the guy. And it's like, well, you're the coach. Like, Shouldn't you pick which one you think is best and then feature him in a certain way throughout the season so that he develops and the system, the offensive system works to feature the two to three to four guys that you think would be the best dudes to put the ball in the basket when you get them in, into these spe- specific spots to score? Like, we don't do that. We just play offense and wait for a guy to step up. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a terrible philosophy to have. It just is. It's bad coaching. It's bad basketball. I've never really – I mean, I I never really studied Bobby Knight and his, like, motion offense. I would guess maybe he's the closest guy to, to doing that, but it's still – I still think a pecking order would emerge pretty quickly and, and everybody kind of knows who should shoot when. Our guys don't know who should shoot when to the point where it all boiled over on a Wednesday night in Nashville where we literally had a freshman, one of, like our most talented freshman, not shoot the ball when he was wide open because mm-hmm. 
in a special what we what we used to call a special situation, he thought the smart play was to not shoot. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can make the argument that it was. You, you, yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a either way either way could have worked out to win the game, but it like the system either either organically with your own relationships with the players, like hey, we're gonna run. I mean. There's uh there's there's what you call like it's not a it's not a motion offense what do we what would we call it a a continuous offense there mm-hmm. are continuous offenses uh, if you a lot it, of people identify those as a motion but style not, but, but yes really. I, yeah a continuous offense like the flex where when you make a pass from essentially the extended elbow across the other extended elbow one guy cuts one guy screens if that guy's open you throw him the ball he catches mm-hmm. lays it up or dunks it and then if there's he's not there's open, reads off the there's screen. a down yeah. screen yeah. and this guy comes up. And then if he's open, it's a screen for screener. If he's open, he can catch and shoot. And so there's no real one moment where, like, all five people do all five things, and anybody can shoot at any one point. But in those offenses, there's very specific spots where you typically shoot, mm-hmm. and you can run breakdown drills and work on those those things. In other offenses, you're trying to feature certain players certain ways. Like, only the one player that you're trying to get the ball in the one spot works to hit that particular spot after a couple passes to make the defense move, and then other players hit their spots, and you work it that way. We don't we don't really do either of those. I mean, we run like a motion set, but we just kind of move around and pass the ball, and then a true motion is you're reading the defense, mm-hmm. and if they lock and trail, you do one thing. Yeah. If they go under, you – you flare. You do a different thing. Yeah. And the screener and the person. You curl. Off, you flare. Right. Curl. You, flare. You continue to screen. Right. Yeah. Screen, screen the screener. Yeah. Right. Right. And and that's what we run. But there's no pecking order on who should shoot when, and the rotation goes along with that because guys aren't even in the game that might have been featured before, and so there's no. I mean, typically, what happens in a basketball season is you start the season maybe not knowing what that should look like. You try some different things as you play Tennessee Tech, Florida Gulf Coast, McNeese State, Alcorn State, Eastern Kentucky, Austin P, even South Carolina when you're up 30. Like you can try different things in those moments, but you still typically go into a season thinking these two guys were, are going to score mm-hmm. the most. These next two guys are going to be the complementary scorers. Now, sure, you're going to have nights where the fourth or fifth best scorer leads you, and that's great because he got hot or whatever. But like we. It's like our coaching philosophy is to not try and identify who the go-to guys are because typically you would kind of know going into the season and then you would make adjustments as the season plays out. As guys get hurt, as guys play better, guys play worse. We're just like all or nothing. It's like we just throw darts at the board and hope each game that we hit the bullseye once. And when we miss the bullseye, we score 46 points and win or we score 65 points and lose. And it's just the most maddening offensive philosophy that I, I think I've ever been around. And the, it's almost a problem because, because their def, the defense is so good, the team's won so much, it's almost been a bad thing. Like, I almost wonder if this team would be better if they'd have lost USC, played like crap and lost to Kansas, and lost to Ole Miss. Because then it would have forced some tough questions. Hey, we can't score, guys. What are we going to do to fix this? But at least this? then you have time to fix it. Yeah. Before you get into the meat of your schedule, instead of hitting your worst stretch of basketball as you meet your hardest part of the schedule. Now you're going to roll into the Alabama game next Wednesday going, 
Well, I hope we just magically get 27 points from Olivier Kamar, Uros Plavsic to stay in this game, which is just a – and what do they say about, you know, insanity, right? Just doing the same thing over and over, just hoping something will change. And I, and and maybe the fact that it somehow worked with Grant and Admiral – I mean, Rick Barnes got on that bus and said, this ain't it, guys, you got to work harder. And those guys just, like, figured it out and be- became this offensive juggernaut – just because they kind of worked out the pecking order. You know, we say a lot of times, maybe the game's past this old coach by, maybe the game's past this this guy. Maybe kids can't just do that anymore. Maybe they need a little more support. Maybe they need to be told, like, hey, Julian Phillips, you get the ball in this spot, take your man to the basket and cram on his ass. Like, let's go. Like, like let's – this is where you have to shoot. Rick Barnes, all, he gets some press conference all the time. Well, many, well, we, you know, Tyreek Key, turn down open shots. I keep telling him to shoot it when he's open. Well, show him. Run the damn play and be like, when you catch the ball here, shoot the damn basketball unless there's a guy in your face. But we don't do that. We just, we're just hoping our guys figure it out. And they might. <laughs> That's the wild thing. We might hit tournament time, and if Josiah's back, and he might start training, you know, if he goes three for six from three instead of one for six, all of a sudden that seems to spark a little extra offense. And, you know, the, the team can play really well. But it just doesn't seem like we know the formula for that. It's like we're guessing. We're always guessing. And that's then that translates back to the fans and not knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. So you can roll into this Missouri game tomorrow scared to death. But if they play well, we might beat them by 18. We're 94% favorite to win, according to the basketball. 87 on Kempom. 79-66. Which would feel great. I mean, we beat them by 13 tomorrow. Everybody's going to be like, oh, we're back. And I don't think we are, but I don't think we're lost either. We're just guessing. We're just throwing darts at the board. We're not lost. We know exactly where we are. That's a good point. I was making that up. I don't. I, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> the team has a lot. We well, said different... that about this team coming into the year, though. Like, do they have a guy? They don't. And it's it, it's almost like we run offense to scout the defense and see like, all right, let's see where the weaknesses may lie for this game, mm-hmm. because we don't have a guy who can go out there and be like, oh, it doesn't matter who's on him, he's gonna go get his buckets. Like it's like it's like we're watching. It's like oh well maybe, maybe this guy will have an advantage against that guy. Let's see. Oh yeah, he might. Okay, now we're gonna go to we're gonna go to Kumwa this game, which is not a terrible thing, right? Except it feels like then, well, what happens, I guess, is when you get into those games where no one has a clear advantage and you don't have a guy that is always a clear advantage, so now it's just, well, just play ball and hope for good shots. We don't have a guy or a play. We don't have a guy or a system. Mm-mm, no. Like, Josh Heupel, Jalen Hyatt, Alabama, we had a system and a guy, or two guys. I mean, we had, we had hey, Alabama cannot cover these switch releases. They are just blowing them. And Jalen Hyatt, once he catches it, is faster than everybody on the defense. Right. So you had the guy with the advantage, you had the play that was getting him open, mm-hmm. and you scored a gazillion points and beat your biggest rival. Like, that's that's it perfectly said in a nutshell. If Tennessee, if you don't have a guy, and you're not when you get in the Sweet 16, you're not sometimes in the round of 32, you better have a, a system that allows your even guy to be leaving. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. to, to, to gain an advantage. And I just don't know where the, you know how that's supposed to happen. 
I almost feel like, and I don't know, maybe it's too late this season. Maybe I can try. I almost feel like I should pick a different team that everyone agrees has a good coach and just watch every second of every game from here on out. And maybe by the time the NCAA tournament starts, I can say, okay, this is how Nate Oates does it at Alabama. I these knew are, you'd pick him. These are all the things I've learned that he's doing. This is his personnel. I noticed that this guy always takes 60% of the shots because he's the go-to guy. And this is a, Or maybe not. I mean, maybe they're more, in a weird way, Rick Barnes is almost backwards. Usually the old school guys are more plays, more plays. And the, and the younger new school guys are more free flow. Let's make sure we're re- loose and just give them a, a, a system to kind of play in. But let's... But Rick Barnes' offense is kind of like the worst of both worlds. It's like he kind of – they feel handcuffed, but they don't really have – know exactly what to do. I don't know. I could pick a different team. Brandon Miller has led Alabama in scoring in 13 games. Uh, the most of any Tennessee player is Viscovi with six. I mean, it's pretty easy to identify the guy for Alabama. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. And as you said yesterday, they just shoot threes and layups. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it'd be better to watch, try and watch a lot of other SEC games and just kind of take notes late, late game situations, especially, you know, what do these teams do? I mean, Jerry Stackhouse had a very specific play. I mean, he can tell you when he learned it and drew it up and whatever um, to win the game against Vanderbilt. I feel like we were running some fifth grade bleep to get the ball in bounds mm-hmm. late in the game. And it actually, one of, one time, actually worked brilliantly. Well, I mean, hell, it's been working for 15 years, Nate. It's won a lot of games. Yep. Philip Fulmer. We won a lot of football games around here. We're not going to change things up just for the sake of change things up. <sighs> well. Yeah, I don't know what to expect tomorrow. No idea. They might come out, play great. Win by fifteen, ho hum, back in, back in business, or it'll feel that way, or yeah. they could struggle again. Josiah James, we don't know anything about him. Like we'll see. Off and running, fast break Friday edition, football Friday edition. Lots to get into. Get you set for the weekend right here on Three and Out. Welcome back to Three and Out. Oh, okay. We got uh, we got actually other football to get into later as well, as there's been some conference realignment news. Not realignment, I guess, but additions. Hickman's so proud of his bumper selection there. Jeez, dude. I mean, it wasn't that bad. Uh, let's go to the Big Arch Philly phone lines, 865-546-8200 if you want to weigh in. We got Matt up first. What's up, Matt? You're on three and out. Well, that was horrible. What do you mean it wasn't that bad? <laughs> well, who is that? Who is that? That's Skrillex. That's Skrillex. Who is that? Uh, I don't know. Felix? <laughs> Skrillex. Skrillex. Oh, Skrillex. Yeah. You know, Hickman, I think me and you kind of maybe semi like the same genre of music. I would say Coldplay's 
pretty good, but that's something you'd listen to like by yourself in the car. You know, you don't blare it out at a Super Bowl and admit that you really like Coldplay. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big, uh, oh, what's the, what's the band from Seattle? Um, Pearl Jam. Death Cab for Cutie. Okay. I'm a big Death Cab fan, but I don't, I don't go out and you know. Yeah, like I like the wow. fray, but I'm not like, oh, the fray should get a Super Bowl, and it's so awesome. <laughs> oh man, a Super Bowl. It's I don't know, man. I don't. The halftime shows sucked to me for years. I think they do that now for people like my wife. You know. Well, someone did say that the uh, the halftime shows for the ladies. I think it is. Well, I wish they would get some '90s bands on there, man. Throw some. Well, they're all too old now. Gr- ah, they're still. You still. I mean, Green Day. Hell, they're all the same age as Eminem. I guess. Too old. What are you saying? I'm too old. No, I'm just saying like they they wanted. Well, I don't know. I guess that was a pretty aged <laughs> group last year with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop. I mean, they're up there. Do y'all remember the commercial? This was to me the funniest one. Was when. Budweiser and Miller were going back and forth in their in their beer wars, and I don't remember which one of which one who was doing what. But the the referees would come out, call a flag, and swap the beer for the opposing. You know, they would like take the Bud Light and give the fans the Miller Light, call a foul, which I thought was funny. And then the retort to that was during the Super Bowl, the other company made the commercial of all the referees sitting down after the game drinking the stolen beers, <laughs> which I thought was pretty smart. I will have to investigate this commercial. I don't remember that it's, one. It's funny. It's, it's a series. It went on for a while. Like, the rest would come out, call a foul, and they, the foul was, oh, you're drinking a Bud Light? We're going to swap that for a Miller Light. So Bud Light was like, oh, okay, you're going to make that commercial. Then we're going to show all the refs after the game drinking the beer, beers that you called the fouls on. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we're stealing this beer and giving you that one because we actually want the good beer. As a kid, I remember yeah. the Bud Light... Was it Bud Light and Budweiser helmets like playing a game within the game? You know what I'm talking about, like oh, the yeah, Bud Bowl, maybe. Yeah, the Bud. Yeah, it was Bud Bottles. Yeah, and mm. they're and they're basically playing they... a football game during the commercials of the Super Bowl, and I like, couldn't yeah. wait to know like which team was going to win. That was the weirdest <laughs> thing. <laughs> uh, that was that was a thing until probably like ten or fifteen years ago, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. Um, Those were the days. Those for the days, guys. Bud. Uh, God, yeah, that was. Bud Bowl 1 was nice. That and the slapping commercial where they just had a commercial of everybody slapping everybody. Remember that? No. Gosh, I got to look up some of the. I'm going to look up yeah, great, some of those greatest commercials, man. Greatest Super Bowl commercials of all time. Um, <laughs> I think uh, there was an article on CBS Sports yesterday, guys, of, of uh, pretenders and contenders, and guess where Tennessee was? Uh, what sport? Basketball. Pretender. Yep, yep, yep. It's amazing what two weeks will do. From a one seed to a pretender, guys. That's where we've. That's where we've slipped to. Uh. In the matter of what two games? I mean, Jesus, good uh, lord, guys. Well, it's probably three. I mean, the loss at Florida. Everyone's like, wait a minute. Then you played like garbage against Auburn, but one. People are like, okay, okay, and then no. Then you lay that dud in Vanderbilt. Good night. That's just so bad. Yeah, I think the more I watch it, though, guys, I don't. 
Yeah, I don't think we're that good. I think we're a good defensive team. We got half the battle, you know, but you know what G.I. Joe says. What does G.I. Joe so, say? Uh, what do they say? Something about the battle. Uh, let's see. G.I. Joe. Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> That's a reference that some people will get and probably not many. I was more of a He-Man guy growing up. It's knowing is half the he- battle. <laughs> knowing is half the battle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, whatever. We don't know the knowing whatever. part. That's our problem. No, we don't. We don't. We got the other half of the battle covered. We need G.I. Joe. We need, we need a plan. It, well, Barnes is supposed to be G.I. Joe. He's supposed yeah. to be the guy, you know? Yeah, we need we need the plan. Give us the plan. Well, what do we do? I mean, guys, we don't – we have no offense at all. We do – Nate, you're right. They do run just the same. It's the same thing every game. I don't see us switching anything up. And as good as we are on defense, I don't understand why. If we're not scoring, why don't we just press more and try to get an upbeat game instead of running, ah, yeah. you know. Or just run a little something. bit. Like, get get a rebound. Get a, t- Be like, hey, if it's a long rebound or if a turnover, like, just let's go. go. Yeah. And, and and probe. Like, if you, can't, if, you, if you don't get a good look, then sure, you can still pull it out and run offense, but – like let's go. Well, but it's tough when you only have one point guard and he's got to play thirty-eight minutes. Yep. Maybe Which, I mean, is that what yeah. it is? Is that why we're like, hey, we're going to slow it down and run offense? We got to save Zakai's legs. Well, f- well, that I mean, for I, I guess we've established that BJ Edwards just isn't a guy that can play college basketball this my year. Mind. But yeah, that, that's a huge mind. recruiting miss. Like but, you, yeah, you, I think, you completely. I, think we've, we've I mean, that. like, like you know, swung missed fell on your ass like that's like the biggest you, you cannot do that you can't be like got a top 100 guy that can come in well they thought good. they they thought they had yuri collins well how good is he why is he not playing is my question i mean if they if they if this guy's is advertised why is he not just blow the red shirt man he's not going to be there four years anyway well, well, well it, no yuri collins is the guy we didn't get yeah we He's didn't get yuri about, collins freddie freddie dillion just got here oh, well who's that's freddie well, who's Buck- the guy that could come in and play Right away. Dillion. Yeah. We took Freddy. the red shirt. Freddie. Now, what, what position's Freddie? Combo guard. Yeah. Okay. He could bring the ball up, though, right? I don't know. Probably. Kobe, he could help with uh, your uh, scoring semi- problems. I mean, yeah. he's supposedly a scoring, well, yeah. you know, guru. He's 6'485-pound yeah, combo guard. Well, it, I guess the, it, anything they can do to help him on offense. I don't understand if you've got players in there that are that good. Just get them in there to play. You know, you can't. We got to have points, man. We can't. We're, when we get in tournament time and we start playing these longer, leaner defenses that are matching up with us, we're not going to be able to win scoring forty-five points, fifty points a game. We're going to have to be in the sixties and and do and continue to do what we do is hold other teams, hold our opponents under seventy. Which I don't think we're going to have a problem doing. We're just going to have a problem scoring. And, but we're not going to win any games if we're scoring fifty points a game. That's just there's no, no way. No. It's anyway. It's weird. I mean, we were talking. I was talking about this last night with Nate and Billy. It, it's like because we don't really evolve offensively. There's so much tape out at this point in the season. I think it's so much easier for other teams to defend us. Like this time of the year in conference play, you should understand how to defend your opponent more, unless they are either a really really good and like what you do doesn't matter, or they're continuing to change up what they're doing offensively. We obviously do the same thing. And our weaknesses have been displayed ad nauseum throughout the season, so I think it becomes easier to defend us. And then, I mean, it's it's kind of human nature. Like we're 
we're getting a little tired as the season goes on because we work so hard on defense. So I'll be interested to see, like, what was the defense on the road is actually, or the, I think it was the last 10 games. Like, the defense has been slightly worse the last 10 games than it was the first half of the season, but not by that much. But the offense has fallen off tremendously. It's, I, I don't know if we've hit the, we, hit the offensive wall or if we just got figured out or what. Do we still have a chance to win the SEC? Is that possible? Uh, I mean, it's, I, mathematically, if we yes. Beat if we beat Bama and Bama loses two more two and we, more. Win, we go undefeated. So Bama has to lose three times and we have to finish the season undefeated. And one of their losses would be to us. Three losses, and that would be one to us, right? That, yes, that would be three losses for each team, and we would have the tiebreaker. Okay. Very unlikely well, at this point. Yeah, probably so. They're playing lots out right now. I'm just hoping they're peaking early, man, and we're we're getting our crap out of the way, and then we turn it on in tournament time. We can dream. Know? But, yeah, we can. See you guys. See you, buddy. Getting our looses out. You want a hot take? Oh, boy. I think Freddie DeLeon would be better for us this year than he would be if he was still here in two years. I think right now, you know, you get him in there not having spent a lot of time in the Rick Barnes system. Mm. I mean, right now he's just probably an unpolished true scorer who's not had the passion and flair and offense coached out of him. I mean, similar similar to the bump Vescovy got the first couple of games he was here where he just came out and – just hey, go score. Yeah, he he didn't have to think about anything. Just just go out there, get your shots off, mm. play your game, and that that's it. That's all we're asking for right now. We need a spark. Go be it. But can he play defense? Who cares? It's kind of half the game. Eighty percent of the game if you're Tennessee. Half the half the game is just knowing. According to yeah, Joe. All right, we come back. Final segment, hour number one. If you want to weigh in, eight six five five four six eighty two hundred. Stick with us right here on three and out. Final segment, hour number one. Right back to the Big Orange Philly phone lines we go. Up next is Roberto. What's up, Roberto? You're on three and out. Long time no talkie, gents. Morning. Morning. Uh, man, I always say a day in Knoxville, Tennessee sure beats the hell out of Gainesville, Florida, but it does not beat the hell out of Orlando, Florida. What a week. I had a great week down there, gents. Um, so... I think I've come to terms with this Rick Barnes thing. We have what we have, right? We've all said that. But would you guys be happier with him if he was only slightly more contrite after losses? Wouldn't hurt. It would help, yeah. It would help a little bit. He, As a man of faith, I expect a certain measure of humility out of people. That are. That, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if you claim it the way he does in public, I expect a certain measure of humility when you're wrong. Yeah. Um, so um, we always say, and, and Hickman is, is has always said, too, it's like we've got a guy that runs a program the right way, and he's a good man, and that counts for something. Hickman, you've said that, what, 100 times to me? Yeah. Which I agree with. He, he deserves to break through one more time, you know? He's done it the right mm-hmm. way. Right. I agree with all that, okay? And hopefully we're the recipients of that. 
Okay, But at the same time, if you're going to wear your faith on your sleeve like that, again, fine. A measure of humility when you do it would be, I don't know, showing that you live it out. It's really starting to piss me off. He's coming off. All right, here it is, guys. Are you ready? He's coming off a lot like Dabo in those postgame pressers. Mm. Hmm. <sighs> you say, mm, do you agree or disagree? Is that is that just too hot a take? Is that too is is faith untouchable when he wears it on his when he wears it on his sleeve like that? He's not corny like Dabo, but I get what you're saying. You know what I mean? Like he's he's different, but would you rather have corny or like stern and and unmovable? I just wish he would take some responsibility as the head coach, even if it, he's not gonna. I know. He, but, I know he's not. Uh, he, there's a there's a changing. heck of a lot of Butch Jones in him. Our system is infallible. There's a heck of a lot in there. Yeah, Chris said that earlier this week, almost verbatim. It's uh, incredible. Oh, that's I mean, oh, it's, but, I must have missed that. No, it's okay. I just it, it's everybody sees it. That's that's my point. Yeah, it's a good take. And you know, when you lose games you shouldn't lose, which I think we can all agree the other night was a game they should never have lost. Uh People are, I mean, the the anti-Barnsers are going to come out. I mean, uh, I've heard them called this week the Barnes Burners. You know, you know, I, you know, I, I think that's kind of funny. Uh, but when you do that, and you have a situation like we did several years ago, when he made it abundantly clear to the media, I mean, I believe he said this on like open mic that if they, being UCLA, had paid his buyout. He would be their head coach. Like, people don't forget that stuff, especially around here. You guys agree? Mm -hmm. Agree, yeah. And and he didn't do himself any favors with that. He is he is a Hall of Fame basketball coach. Not one guy on this conversation right now is going to argue that. And I'm glad he's our coach. Full stop on that stuff. However, humility and the ability to flex a little bit and say, you know what, guys, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Julian Phillips, when when he should have dunked that ball, has had that coached out of him. Maybe in that moment, nobody told him, hey, we've been telling you for the last minute, don't score. Now we're telling you to score because we just run this perfect play to get you wide open to go to the goal. Or maybe, just maybe, he was scared to death that he would miss and that you know, his minutes would be taken away. Because I don't know if Rick Barnes has that reputation, but I'm pretty sure he has that reputation. And lastly, guys, Tennessee gave me faith about three or four weeks ago when they were in the top 30 in offensive and defensive efficiency. And I don't know, have you seen their stats on offensive efficiency since uh, Wednesday? It's like around 70 now. Yeah. And I heard a stat yesterday that no Rick Barnes team that has ever finished outside of the top 20 in offensive efficiency has ever made the the third round of the tournament. Outside of what? What was the number? The top, uh, top twenty. Sorry if I broke up there. Outside of the top twenty in offensive, fin- all the ones that he's had inside the top twenty in offensive efficiency have made Sweet Sixteen or further. Anyone outside has not made it past that. That's some. I'm, I'm not claiming I own that stat. I'm just saying I heard that one, and if it's true, that is that is a gutting statistic. Yeah. For this team, um, and it's just coming home to roost again. Rick Barnes. Pressure defense, good defense. I'm all, I'm all for that. 
but he's burning them out. We're not we're not Virginia. Nate and I we talked about that the other day. If we were if we were bad or if we were boring but not bad on offense, it wouldn't it wouldn't piss me off. But we're bad and we're boring on offense. It's Jeremy Pruitt football mm-hmm. on the basketball court. See you guys. Thanks for the call. Yeah, you can't be both. No, you you can't. You can't. And and with other teams that's part of their philosophy is let's be real let's be slow but efficient. Um we don't really know what pace we want to run and we're inefficient and that's that's a that can that's gonna be a death nail if it keeps up. Hour two, back at you next.